today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. If God is your inheritance, you have an eternal richness, but there's absolutely nothing in this world that could ever match. And yet, how much time do we spend gaining in this world compared to spending time in gaining for the next? We're, we're so messed up, you know, and Christians, unfortunately, many times, we are as bad as the rest of the world. Sometimes the truth isn't pretty, and it's how you respond to it that really matters. When Caleb goes out to survey the promised land, he doesn't come back with good news, and he doesn't sugarcoat it. As Pastor David teaches today, that's something to consider as we relate to others about how we're doing. It's not a powerful testimony if you're saying, I'm fine, when you're really not. Things may be hard, but if you're holding on to God, that's important. Trusting in God during strife is a powerful message. Now here's Pastor David with today's message entitled, Taking Possession of the Promised Land. For Moses had defeated and cast out these. Nevertheless, the children of Israel did not drive out the Geshurites or the Machathites, but the Geshurites and the Machathites dwell among the Israelites until this day. Now, let me stop right there. We're going to find as we as we go through this study, and even as we've seen already in Joshua, there are some areas that they didn't do what God had told them to do. Remember way back in Deuteronomy, God had told them, when you go into this land, you need to wipe these people out. You need, you need to just do away with them. And we think how, how harsh and how violent that is. And why, why would God do that? But you need to understand that for over 400 years, these people had lived in that land. And they had just gotten worse and worse and worse. Remember, prior to the time of uh, Joseph and his brothers going to Egypt and the family being then turning into uh, slaves there in Egypt, the, the message and the hope of Abraham, the message and the hope of the God of Isaac, uh, the God of Jacob was, was there in this land. The message and the hope was there. And yet, for over 400 years, the people of that land had walked away from any knowledge of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they continued to get worse and worse. And we could go back and look and how they, again, uh, child sacrifices, the, the perversity of so much that was within that land. And that's why God says, you know what, you need to totally wipe them out. And what happened when we find out that they didn't wipe those things out is, that they infiltrated back in to the children of Israel. 
and the children of Israel, they, they were flesh and blood like you and I. And as temptations came and they looked appealing and, and appeasing and, and pleasurable, and they, they fell into these things and God knew that they would. And that's why he said, wiped them all out, but they didn't wipe them all out. And it's a lot like you and I in our life. There's things in our life, you know what? We just need to get rid of. We just need to stop and, and, and put it away and put it away completely and do away with it completely rather than playing with the things of this world, thinking that I will not get burned. Years ago, I did a, a study with uh, some of the youth, and I just put a big candle there. And as I was talking to them, I just waved my hand over the candle. And nothing would happen. I just waved my hand over the candle. And so you know, I'm, I'm talking about something. I can't even remember what I was talking about, but I'd keep waving my hand over the candle and just keep waving the hand over the candle. And eventually I said, you know, some of you are doing the same thing, aren't you? You're just playing with fire, thinking, I'm not going to get burned. It's not going to affect me. I can keep doing this, and it's not going to affect me. It's not impacting my life. But I said, I guarantee you, there will come a time when that fire will touch, and that fire will impact, and that fire will bring damage. And it's in our own life. There's so many things that we can touch in this world, and we think, well, that didn't harm me. That action, that thought, that attitude, that place that I went, that thing that I did, that really didn't impact me that much. But, beloved, you need to understand that every time we do that, it does a couple of things. Number one, it saddens the heart of our God. But, but number two, it, it hardens our heart to the sensitivity of those things. And even as Israel allowed some of these other people to stay in there, they found out very quickly uh, that it did bring damage. It, it brought damage to them as a people. So let's move on. Verse 14 says, you know, they're, okay, so they're talking about all this land they're giving out. And then verse 14 says, but only the tribe of Levi, he had given no inheritance you think, why? Were they that bad? No, no. There was, a, there was a certain purpose for them. He says, the sacrifices of the Lord God of Israel made by fire are their inheritance. As he said to them. Now, we're going to read about that in chapter 21. Actually, they, they get certain cities around, not the cities of refuge, but also other cities for the Levites where they can live and they can have their cattle. But they never really become landowners. Because the idea and the thought was is that they would never be so attached to this world that it would impact them in a way that they could not serve God in the fullness uh, that God had intended for them to be. They were the ones who were to serve as the priests and the worshipers, the worship leaders. They were the ones that, uh, again, were to draw the people in to worship. They were the ones that were, again, to be the for lack of a better term, the uh, kind of the, the go-betweens. They would represent God to the people and represent the people to God. Uh, that's the idea. And God had purposed it for the Levites that they, they wouldn't get so attached to the things of this world that, uh, that it would start impacting uh, how they're able to, to minister. And it's a great idea and it's a great uh, concept, and we're going to see it uh, as we go through this. Look at verse 15, the, the land of Reuben. Verse 15, 
the land of Reuben. Moses had given to the tribe of the children of Reuben an inheritance according to their families. Their territory was from Aror, which is on the bank of the river Arnon, in the city that is in the midst of the ravine, and all the plain of Mediba, Heshbon, and all of its cities that are in the plain, Dibon, Bamoth Baal, Beth Baal Menon, uh, Jehaz, Kedemoth, uh, Mapharath, um, Eloi, uh, Toltec, uh, Arizona City, uh, you know, on, on to the mountain of the valley, uh, Beth Peor, the slopes of Pishgah, and, and Beth uh, Jeshemoth. And all the cities of the plain and all the kingdom of Sion, king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon, whom Moses had struck with the princes of Midian, Evi and, and uh, Rechem and Zur and Hur and Reba, who were princes of Sion dwelling in the country. The children of Israel also killed with the sword Balaam, the son of Baor. You remember him, the, the soothsayer. Remember, it was, it was back in the book of Numbers and as the children were uh, coming across the land uh, um, Balak had tried to pay Balaam to come and prophesy against the children of Israel. And here he, uh, my new King James calls him a soothsayer. In numbers, he was called a, a prophet. In essence, he was, he, was, he was a gun for hire. He was a preacher for hire. Uh, just say what I want you to say and we'll pay you a little bit more. That's an unfortunate situation for somebody who is supposed to be the, the mouthpiece for God to ever get into. You know, um, if, if, if you'd say what we want you to say, we'll, we'll pay you a little bit more. And, and that's exactly what uh, Balak wanted uh, Balaam to do. And he said, I want you to go and prophesy against him. And remember, he tried to do that, but the Spirit of God said, no, uh, you're not going to be able to do that. And Every time he opened his mouth, he blessed Israel. And Balak got so frustrated. He said, no, don't do that. And let's go to another mountain and try it again. And it did bless him again. So he, he never was able to, again, curse Israel. But what he did do is he told him that, you know what? The, the women of Midia are, are beautiful women. They're very seductive. Uh, here is a good opportunity. I won't curse them, but I'll let you know where their weakness is. And so that's exactly what took place. As they were crossing through there, the women of Midia came in, and some of the Israelite men took them in to themselves. Not only did they take the women, but they took their gods in. They fell into idol worship. They fell into the sexual relationships with these women. So they had all kinds of problems until finally it came to the point that um, in uh, Numbers chapter 31, it talks about, again, a battle that took place, and Balaam, uh, Israel killed Balaam and the problem is, is you killed the Balaam, you killed the messenger, but there's still an attitude of heart in Israel that still needs to be dealt with. Uh, and so, again, we're going we're gonna to see that even as we still go through Joshua. Balaam's not their only problem. He was just one way that the problem, you know, uh, uh, made itself known. Verse 23, the border of the children of Reuben was the bank of the Jordan. This was the inheritance of the children of Reuben according to their families, the cities and their villages. So the tribe of Reuben takes up that area just east of the uh, Dead Sea. And when we go over to Israel, you look at that land to the east of the Dead Sea, and it's no prize today. Now, if, if back then it was it was better, uh, that's one thing. And there's a lot of, um, again, archaeology 
archaeologists and Bible historians, they think that actually in the past that that was greener. Uh, it was more uh, pleasant to be able to have cattle or or sheep or goats on. Right now, there's a lot of Bedouins there, and man, you, you think there's a, a blade of grass, one for every mile. You think it's just really, really barren looking right now. Let's, let's go on to the next one, the land of Gad. The land of Gad right above the, where the tribe of Reuben is. Verse 24, Moses also had given an inheritance to the tribe of Gad, to the children of Gad, according to their families. Their territory was Jazer and all the cities of Gilead, and half the land of the Ammonites as far as the Aror, which is before Reba. And from Hezbon to Ramoth Mitzvah and Bethanim and from Mananiam to the border of Debir and in the valley of Beth Harman or Haram, Beth Nimrah, Sukkoth and Zaphon and the rest of the kingdom of Zion, king of Hezbon, which uh, are with the Jordan as its border. So on the, the far western side of the land of Gad is the Jordan River. And it reached up as to the edge of the Sea of uh, Kinnereth. Uh, now, my, my version says the Sea of Kinnereth. Uh, does anybody know where the Sea of Kinnereth is? How many of you know where the Sea of Galilee is? Uh, it's the same one, okay, same name, okay. So uh, it's just called different names within within uh, our Bibles. But anyway, it reached all the way up to the Sea of Galilee. From the very tip of the top of the Dead Sea, one leg of it went all the way up to the uh, uh, Sea of Galilee on the other side of the Jordan eastward. This is the inheritance of the children of Gad according to their families, the cities, and their villages. So, uh, again, their land was, was quite a way there. It kind of split with a, kind of a, two different forks around a, a large mountain range. And then that mountain range and further north became the land for the half-tribe of Manasseh. Now, that half-tribe of Manasseh, again, where they divided the tribe, what part stayed on one side, what part went on the other, uh, we really don't know how they divided that. But here in verse 29 through 33, we read that Moses had also given an inheritance to the half-tribe of Manasseh. It was for half the tribe of the children of Manasseh, according to their families. Their territory was for Nahem, from Maricopa, uh, all Bashan. All the kingdom of Og, king of Bashan. Now, do you remember anything about Og, king of Bashan, uh, in, in our studies at all, or in, in your studies? He was a giant. Yeah, his bed was like, measured his bed. I forget how long they said his bed was, but it's like, you know, over nine feet uh, long his bed was. So he, he was he was one of the giants. And so part of his land now is part of the territory of Manasseh. All the towns of Jair, which are in Bashan, 60 cities, half of Gilead and Ashtaroth and Adarai, cities of the kingdom of Og in Bashan, were for the children of Micar and the son of Manasseh, for half of the children of Mecca, according to their families. These are the areas which Moses had distributed as an inheritance in the plains of Moab on the other side of the Jordan by the Jericho East. So again, the land of Manasseh quite a bit, and this is just for half of the tribe of Manasseh, and it went way up uh, into modern-day Syria, uh, into parts of what is now Lebanon. It reached through there um, areas um, that, again, that mountain range that is just about about the middle of the land of Manasseh, uh, the eastern part of that mountain range is uh, Syria. The western side gets into what's called the Golan Heights uh, and the eastern borders of Israel. 
uh, one of the other things we see here in verse 33, he responds again about the tribe of Levi. The tribe of Levi, Moses had given no inheritance. The Lord God of Israel was their inheritance, as he had said to them. I don't know about you, but I think the children of Levi got a better deal. You can, you can give all that land of Manasseh. You can give the whole thing. Which would you rather have? God is your inheritance or, or, or a piece of, piece of dirt? Piece of dirt. Reading through this, yeah, he, he reminds us over and over again that Levi didn't get any land. No, no, he didn't get any big property. No, no. But God's his inheritance. And I don't know about you. Some of you, you may not have much in this world at all. And you may never have much in this world. Your, your life may end with just barely being able to put you into the ground. But you know what? If God is your inheritance, you have an eternal richness that there's absolutely nothing in this world that could ever match. And yet, how much time do we spend gaining in this world compared to spending time in gaining for the next? We're, we're so messed up, you know. And Christians, unfortunately, many times, we are as bad as the rest of the world. We spend a great majority of our life and time focused on the things of this world, making the things of this life easier, more pleasurable, filled with entertainment, filled with amusement, filled with everything else. And we neglect the reality that, hey, you know what? We're only going to be here for 80, 90, 100 years at the most, some less, some more. But eternity waits for us. The tribe of Levi got no earthly inheritance, but God was their inheritance. That's the thing that we've got to look, how much we can focus on the things of this world. And you know what? They perish with the using. As a good friend says, it's all going to burn. It's all going to burn. What are we setting in advance? What are we setting forward? Are we so focused on a retirement plan or are we focused on an eternal plan? So, so we look at, uh, again, the, the, the land of Reuben, the land of Gad, the land of Manasseh. And then in chapter 14, we start moving over to the, to the land on the western side in verse 14. Uh, yeah, on the western side of the Jordan. So he says, uh, chapter 14, verse 1. These are the areas which the children of Israel inherited in the land of Canaan which Eleazar the priest, Joshua the son of Nun, and the heads of the fathers of the tribes of the children of Israel distributed as an inheritance to them. Their inheritance was by lot, as the Lord had commanded by the hand of Moses for the nine tribes and the half-tribe, again, the other half-tribe of Manasseh. For Moses had given the inheritance of the two tribes and the half-tribe on the other side of the Jordan, on the eastern side. But to the Levites he had given, here it is again, to the Levites he had given no inheritance among them. For the children of Joseph had two tribes, Manasseh and Ephraim, and they gave no part to the Levites in the land except cities to dwell in with their common lands for their livestock and their property. And we'll look at that in chapter 21, how that was all divided out. 
Verse 5 says, As the Lord had commanded Moses, so the children of Israel did, and they divided the land. But then all of a sudden we, we take this little break from dividing the land among the tribes, and we bring back in Caleb. You, you remember Caleb. He was one of the two spies that, that had a that had an outlook of faith, that had a, um, eyes of faith rather than eyes of flesh. Remember, they sent out 12 spies in the land uh, uh, 40-something years ago to spy out the land. And they came out with a true report, okay? And I, I think one of the things that you and I need to understand, even in our walk in faith, truth is absolutely necessary. I believe that it does a great disservice to to God, to the witness of God, for us to deny the truth. If those spies would have come back and said, la, 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 I, I don't see, I don't hear, I don't speak. There's no giants in the land. There, there's no walled cities in the land. It's a piece of cake. We can go over and take it all. They would have been lying. Okay? They came in and they told the truth. It's how you respond to the truth. And that's where the problem was. They responded to a physical truth without taking into consideration an eternal truth, the spiritual truth. There are are physical truths. And then, yeah, this this disease has happened. This relationship has has, has gone away. This this situation in my life, this job in my life, this this battle, this torment, whatever it is, these these are true things. And to say that, hey, you know what, I'm I'm not battling with anything. Okay, everything's fine. You know what, You're, you're not doing service to the truth. You're not doing service to the kingdom of God. And you're not doing service to the testimony of what God wants to do in your life. I would much rather hear someone say, you know what? I'm doing absolutely horrible. My life is falling all apart. My world is just spinning out of control. But I'm trusting God in the midst. That right now, man, I'm, I'm just holding on to God in the midst of this. Then somebody that comes and says, oh, no, 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 everything's fine. Everything's fine. And in reality, they're not giving glory to God in that. They're just lying. The people of God need to be truthful. Hey, you know what? My, my life right now is the pits. But you know what? I'm trusting God right now, and I believe that he's going to deliver me. Because, beloved, when God delivers those who are your family, those who are your neighbors, those non-believers that you know, you're going to say, man, you know what? He, he said he was trusting God, and God delivered him. That's amazing. But if you're going along, no, everything's fine. Everything's wonderful. La, 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 la. I'm not going to have any negative confession. It's not a negative confession. It's just truth. Okay? Get over that. I I hear so many Christians taking on a new age concept. Oh, I don't want to speak anything negative because that'll bring it around. No, your life doesn't bring it around. It's just the reality. Now, you don't need to go, you know, around forever. Oh, woe is me, you know, blah, blah, blah. No, you don't need to be that way. But you can speak the truth and then speak the reality. But my God is greater than my situation. My God is greater than my sickness or my disease. My God is greater than that relationship. My God is greater than the suffering that I'm going through. My God is greater than the pain that I'm feeling right now. And he is the one that I hold on to. Because, beloved, then God gets the glory. God gets the glory. And that's how we need to be. Those spies came back. Ten of them said, well, I believe all of them said, oh, yeah, man, <laughs> there's grapes aplenty. The harvest is wonderful, man. The, uh, the land is beautiful and green. Boom, there's giants in the land. There's walled cities in the land. There's warriors in the land. Okay, so what do you do with that? Only two of them saw those things with a greater truth. 
And that's the reality that their God was greater than those things. I don't deny that there's giants in the land. I don't deny that there's walled cities and there's experienced warriors. But neither do I deny that my God is greater than all of those things. And you see, it was Caleb that was one of those two. Joshua was one. Caleb was the other. And if you'll remember... Back again when, when Caleb was dealing with this stuff with uh, Moses back in uh, Deuteronomy and Numbers, he said, you know what, I saw a place over there, man, I, I want that place. hope that today's edition of The Open Word has been a blessing to you. If you live in the Casa Grande, Arizona area, we want to invite you to join us for worship. The messages that you hear on The Open Word are produced from worship services at Calvary Chapel, Casa Grande. Maybe the teaching you heard is exactly what you were looking for in a church. Then please join us. We have services on Saturday evenings and two Sunday morning worship services, as well as other services throughout the week. For more information about service times, including driving directions, log on to theopenword.com and then follow the link to the church website. Now here's Tracy with some more important information about how you can help support The Open Word. Radio programs like The Open Word are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. And as with any ministry, there are expenses involved. Today's broadcast was professionally produced, and God has given us a vision to see The Open Word expand into other parts of the world. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word? Log on to TheOpenWord.com and simply click on the support option to help us continue to grow. Thanks, Tracy. From all of us here with the production team, we want to say thank you for tuning in, and may God richly bless you.